Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano, and it is the last episode of 2020. And unfortunately, this is the last game for the Eagles this season, as it will conclude, unfortunately, Sunday night, which, what a pain in the ass that is. Primetime game, meaningless game, a game I'm sure the Eagles are going to win, ironically. You just... Don't lie, everybody listening, everybody who knows the Eagles. Like, it's, this reminds me of years ago, about five years ago, actually, in fact, uh, the Eagles had fired Chip Kelly. They were playing a meaningless game. Pat Shermer was the head coach, a game they won, a game I knew that they were going to, I said it, I go, watch, they'll win this game and they'll trade up. And what did they do? They won the game and then they proceeded to trade up from 13 to 8 and 8 to 2 to draft Carson Wentz. Which blows your mind, right? If the whole point is, oh, we want to get the highest of draft picks. Yet, in uh, listen, and again, this isn't the point of, you know, you're 0-9 and just punting the season. And I get it that at that point where it's like, if you do that, that is a loser's mentality. But this is literally the first game of the season where the Eagles season's over. It is the last game of the season. It is stupid at this point to win the game, so the team is going to win the game. I get it. Now, I will say this. The only thing in benefit of the Eagles not winning the game is their injury report. So let's look at this. This injury report is pretty crazy, um, and rightfully so, because here's my mentality. If anybody's nicked up, not you know, 100%, they're out. That's what I would do. So Derek Barnett didn't play last game. He's not practicing still with his calf, so chances are he's out. I would assume Sean Bradley and his neck injury, since he did not practice today, he's out. Fletcher Cox, who came out of the last game with a neck, a stinger, I would absolutely sit him out. Um, Dallas Goddard, who exited last game with a calf injury, I would safely assume he's out. Deshaun, who was sore with an ankle, hit his home run. I would assume he is out because there's no other point to putting him out there. You showcase that he can still run. Um, Jordan Mailata. Concussion, I would safely assume he's out. Jalen Mills is now on the reserve COVID list, so he is out. Uh, Then Richard Rodgers and his ankle, he didn't practice, and he's out. Now guys that were limited were Michael Jaquette, Duke Riley, Miles Sanders, and Quez Watkins. Big name on that list, Miles Sanders. I would sit him, no need in risking any injury to him. We need him very much next season. Now a guy like Quez Watkins, who I think could be a player, yes, we want Quez Watkins to play because you want to give him some showcase here. Let's see what he got. Maybe this is a game where a guy like that, who hasn't had a lot of opportunities this year, gets to play. He would play exclusively, in fact, for me. He would get a ton of snaps. This would be a game I gave Travis Fulgham a ton of snaps. There's no need to give Alshon Jeffrey snaps now. It's over. You don't need to highlight Alshon Jeffrey anymore. I get that's the point, but that's not going to happen here. So I would go with Fulgham, Quez Watkins, and Jalen Rager, and Greg Ward. Those would be the four guys out there. I mean, you could trot out J.J. Ortega-Whiteside if you want. Uh, I mean, but John Hightower, I mean, I think you've given him enough opportunity this season to know what you kind of got there. But this is a game where you want to figure out what you got with certain guys. And the thing that sucks is the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who is starting, of course. Jalen's put in a really tough spot here because the offensive line is already in shambles. And our left tackle is probably going to be out now as well. So if he's out, my guess is Matt Pryor plays left tackle. And either Brett Toth or Prince Tagawanahu plays right tackle, which is not what you want to have when you have Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the other side. It's not good. 
season's over. Defensively, I, I mean, here's the thing. Washington, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, they're in a, a spot of disarray releasing Dwayne Haskins this week. So it's either going to be Taylor Henneke or Alex Smith. It's a must-win game. My guess is Alex Smith's going to give this a go. I mean, they win, they're in. Again, like I said, the Eagles should be cautious with any key players. And you know what I would do, though? I would be playing by two defensive tackles that you're giving $13 million each to, which is crazy. You know what I noticed or I read to, uh, this week was if they cut Malik Jackson, everybody safely assumes he's off this team next year, which, to be fair, makes no sense. Because I'd ask you this, what's $1 million? That's all you save if you cut Malik Jackson. His salary is $13 million. If you cut him, it's $12 million against the cap. So there literally is no point in cutting Malik Jackson, which is wild. That's your GM. And don't worry, once this season's over, and again, we're going to talk about it because here's the thing. I mean, we're going to play a game on Sunday, and then stuff is going to be out there come Monday, Tuesday, that's it. That's when you're going to know what's going on. Jeffrey Lurie's going to make decisions fast because here's the thing. If you're going to fire the coach, which I don't know. I, I, I have no sense on if they're going to fire the coach or not. The way Peterson's talking, it sounds like to me he feels like he's get, been given some sense of security from Jeffrey Lurie. But if you're going to fire the coach, you need to be, you want to be like the first in line here. You have an advantage. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You want to get the best candidate available. And here's my thing. If the Eagles are going to fire Peterson, they better have a back a plan, right? Like, you know what I mean? You don't go into this like you did five years ago and hope you get lucky like you did. Uh, my guess would be, though, is that they probably just fire Jim Schwartz. That's it. They make him the scapegoat. Because it sounds like Howie Roseman, he's the guy who should go. Number one, everybody knows this. Everybody listening knows this. And, and here's the thing. We all say this, and I keep thinking back to myself. It's like, the thing is, Jeffrey Lurie clearly has some type of fondness towards Howie Roseman. I, I mean, I, could, I believe he considers him a friend, obviously. And, you know, for us standing here on the outside who have no personal relationship with him, it's easy for us to say fire him. I guess it's very difficult for this guy. And guess what? That's at the detriment of the team because that is what the problem is. I just told you, Malik Jackson, $13 million, $12 million if you cut him. That's a deal this year. That's that's something that the Eagles have to deal with next season. Like this team's in massive trouble next year. With all the dead money and all this stuff and you know and, and again, that's not even counting the fact that they're going to tr- possibly trade Carson Wentz. It's just next year looks like it should be pretty brutal. And then the following year looks like it should be great cuz you're going to have so much money then freed up because then you're out of a lot of these contracts. But the thing is, if you cut these guys now, then they're off the books clearly. I guess, the, I don't know what it is. It's it's just, it, they're in salary cap hell. And I mean, all I had to hear for years was, oh, Howie Roseman's a master of the salary cap. He's a master of it. That's why you love having him as your GM. Yeah, that master has is, is put us into a, like, literally in, into a spot where I don't know if you can dig yourself out of it. And again, the, the big thing they were probably going to do was restructure Carson Wentz to get some salary cap space, and it looks like he's going to hopefully be playing for a different team next season. So there you go. There's one avenue you don't have anymore. It's it's a it's a crazy and it's a wild time right now. I mean, you yeah, you've heard the candidates out there for head coaching jobs. You know, you're going to see the Brian Dables. He's from uh, 
Buffalo. You know, I heard, like I talked about last week, Urban Myers throwing his name in. Lincoln Riley, a lot of people will want because of the Jalen Hurts connection. You know, um, looking around the NFL, generally here's what happens. They're going to go for teams that are probably really good teams. That's where you get their coaches from, Eric Bieniemy. Um, the Eagles are going to probably identify somebody who is quarterback-oriented, like Kafka from Kansas City, the quarterback's coach. I mean, it would would it surprise me if Jeffrey Lurie let Doug Peterson go and went with another Andy Reid disciple? No, I don't think that would surprise me because it worked a couple years ago. I could see a situation where he tells Doug Peterson he could keep his job, but he must relinquish being the offensive coordinator. Because remember last year when he fired Grow, I told everybody, I mean, he's making him fire the coordinators next to Tim. Well, the only thing that can mean from that is if they're going to keep him as head coach, he is the head coach and no longer in charge of the offense. That would be the next logical step if you're keeping him. Because there's no way that this is coming back and the Eagles are running this back because Jeffrey Lurie has to know he's run it back here. This has been two years of running it back. They've failed miserably. Think about this. 9-7, nine and 9-7, seven, nine and seven, possibly 4-11. and 11. Does that sound like, you know, sustained success? This is coming off of being the best team in the National Football League. You've turned that into 22 and 25 and 1 to the Bengals. Who, by the way, won last week and cost the Eagles draft position. Had the Texans beaten the Bengals, think about that. Had the Texans beaten the Bengals, the Eagles could have picked absolutely guaranteed as high as five because, like I said, there's no scenario they move up from six. There's just none. I know they could go two, three if all these things happen. Well, spoiler, Baltimore isn't going to lose to Cincinnati. Tampa Bay isn't going to lose to Atlanta because, remember, Tampa Bay wants to be the five seed because that's advantageous to them. Well, why is that? They play the NFC East champion. Um, and the other team, who's who's the other team there? It's Oh, Houston. Yeah, right? Houston, guess who they play? Tennessee. Are they losing that game? No. So, or if it's not Tennessee, it's Indianapolis. Either or, whatever. They're playing a team, one of those two teams that's trying to get in. So here's the thing. None of those teams are losing. So right there, oh yeah, and um, whatchamacallit, there's a bunch of teams with five wins, like, you know, New York. Now New York's playing to win. And that's the thing. It's like, man, like... The best case scenario is Dallas does win, New York loses, and the Eagles lose because then Dallas has a higher pick. But I, again, it's it's all crazy stuff here. I mean, this is it's unbelievable to think that we're sitting here talking about this when really the Eagles could be potentially zero and fifteen right now. You want to know how close? Isn't that wild to think about how close the Eagles were? How close they were this season to being zero and fifteen. Teen. If Nick Mullins doesn't throw the ball directly to Alex Singleton or Kyle Shanahan pulls Nick Mullins earlier and gives CJ Beathard a better chance to win that game, guess what? The Eagles lose to San Francisco. If the Giants don't completely implode in the last five minutes of that game in Philadelphia and Evan Ingram actually catches that perfectly passed ball to him, the Eagles lose that game if Ben DiNucci doesn't have to start 
for Dallas if Andy Dalton isn't taken out by a cheap shot. Or if Garrett Gilbert even starts that game in Philadelphia the way Carson Wentz played, the Eagles lose that game. Remember, remember, they're losing in the fourth quarter of all these games. And oh, that's right. Finally, if the Saints, if the Saints don't foolishly try to buy Drew Brees one more week, the Eagles lose that game. And oh, by the way, the Eagles could have lost that game even with Taysom Hill playing if it wasn't for some unbelievable defensive line play in that game. That's it. They only won 24 21. It wasn't like they ran away with the football game. Heck, if that onside kick was like you saw that, how close that was. That's how, and oh, okay, so then you're like, well, okay, that's that's 14 losses if they lose this, or yeah, 14 losses. What about the Bengals game? Well, if the Eagles tried that field goal at the end of the game where, you know, Matt Pryor doesn't jump off sides or whatever, or jump and come at a false start, and Elliott misses that kick from 59, which he probably would have, the Eagles probably lose that game as well. That's how close it was. That's how close the Eagles were. By the way, they don't even need the tie. Like The tie doesn't matter. If they had zero wins, they would be picking number one overall. That's how close they are to having the number one overall pick. This is a team that won the Super Bowl less than 1,000 days ago. They were that close to the number one pick. Actually, I don't even know if it's less than me. Whatever, around a thousand days ago, it blows my mind. And here, and here we are talking about that. And Howie Roseman is his job is not up for jeopardy here. Doesn't that like infuriate you? It has to. As fans of the Philadelphia Eagles, we have to be infuriated by the fact that Howie Roseman is so secure in his job. We've turned into a laughingstock. We're, we're, we're begging to have a top five pick. And then, oh my God, it's going to be, who do you pick? Do you pick Jamar Chase? Do you pick Patrick Sertan? Do you pick Devontae Smith? Do you pick one of the quarterbacks? It's, it, that's what's coming. And we'll have enough time to dive into it. And this year, actually, I am going to do some actual research into some of these draft picks because, again, I, I you know, you want to believe what you hear from some people, but... Man, oh man, if we're picking wide receivers, if we're going to look at the wide receiver, and again, people get frightened by that. They shouldn't pick a wide out. They've picked a wide out in the top two rounds of the last two drafts. I'm like, who cares? The goal is to fix the position. And you're not going to have any free agent money to spend on it. And you clearly see that if you get a dominant wide receiver, it helps the quarterback. And if you want to help the quarterback, that's how you do it. Now, my thing would be to help the cornerbacks because I just feel our cornerbacks are so atrocious. But again, you could always get a corner. Remember, here's the thing if you're so bad. You have a pick in round one that's in the top. Let's just say they pick sixth. The second pick is 38. So right there. And and now, yeah, the third pick then, what's 32 after that? 70? So right there, you're getting three picks in the front 70. That's not too bad. So yeah, ideally, the sixth pick you think is the best. But I mean, if you pick a corner at 38... That's a guy you're expecting to be an impact player, right? Exactly. And you could pick a, another guy at 70 like that you're going to expect to be impact players. Th- th- this isn't like as much as I'd want them to pick a corner, but I mean if the, if I got to see what's out there. You got to see what's available. Is is there going to be corners in this draft? Are there some good second round tier quarterbacks? 
Are there good second-round wide receivers? You saw this year that there were. It was a wide receiver-heavy draft, and guess what? A bunch of those guys in round two. LaVisca Chenault, right? Chase Claypool. Denzel Mims. You know, K.J. Hamler. T. Higgins. Look at T. Higgins. These were all second-round picks. Michael Pittman Jr. All those guys in the second round. So if corners fall that way, you know, that's just the way it goes. Look at the Cowboys got Trayvon Diggs in round two. So you could get good corners in round two. I mean, we picked Sidney Jones once, and that worked out wonderful. Picked Eric Rowe. That worked out. Eric Rowe's actually still in the league, so that was a good pick. The Eagles just gave up on him. But it, again, before we even get to those situations, you got to understand who's the coach, what the schemes are, and what we're doing. And we'll find that out hopefully come Monday afternoon. I mean, we'll really know Monday morning. You might know Sunday night. Interesting times here. So let's all get ready. It's the last game of the year. Of this season, I should say. It'll be the first game of 2021. And it might be the last game of Doug Peterson. I mean, I fingers crossed it'd be the last game. Howie Roseman is the general manager, but unfortunately that doesn't seem to be the case. And we turn the book over and we will have a lot to talk about. We will talk on Sunday night. We'll do a post game and then I have a feeling. I mean, maybe we'll be doing some breaking news audio on Monday night talking about the, the potential for a new head coach. So everybody enjoy your new year. Here's to hopefully 2021 being a little bit better, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. So stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated, and go Eagles, go. 